hands of a mastermind of terror. I want to play a game with Lieutenant McLean. What kind of game? Simon Says. The path to revenge leads straight to John McLean. If we don't do what this guy says, he's going to blow up another public well, why me? What does he got to do with me? I have no idea. He just said it had to be you. Nice to be needed. I'm not jumping through hoops for some psycho. That's a white man with white problems. You deal with it. Where the hell are you going, McCoy? I know what I'm doing. How do you and God know what you're doing? This guy wants to pound on you till you crumble. Are you aiming for these people? No. Well, maybe that mine. He wants you to dance to his tune and then kill you. Bruce Willis, Jeremy Irons, Samuel L. Jackson. Congratulations. You're still alive. Yippee-ki-yay, mother... In a John McTiernan film, Die Hard with a Vengeance. And welcome back to the Film Wheel cast. It is 2022. I hope everyone had a great new year. I am joined, yeah. as usual, by the very sexy, the very doik, very beautiful, <laughs> very bearded. Neil, how are you? I'm very well, mate. You're right, I am bearded. That's about the only thing I can agree with with that one but um oh, if anyone's yeah, seen sons of anarchy you? you're op that's who you are you are op <laughs> well i do love him to be fair so you know maybe one day i'll look as good as him but unlikely you do already you do already so die hard with a vengeance Two, <laughs> it's a uh, 1995 yes. so which is t- five years yeah. after Die Hard 2, which did anyone want another Die Hard? Was anyone expecting another Die Hard? What kind of what side of the fence are you on? Um, I don't know. I mean, what would I have been 14 then? So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe they were. Maybe that's why they made it. I don't know. It was, it was, it was all right, wasn't it? We'll get to the how we felt about it at the end. But I don't know. Did you think that? They wanted another Die Hard at this time. Well, I was 21 because I'm extremely old, and I still was into Die Hard films. I was really mm. pleased that they brought it back again because even though two is a bit piss poor, I still get <laughs> off on number one. And yeah, to, knowing it was coming back with Samuel Jackson who plays Zeus in this, and off the back of they've just done um, Pulp Fiction together. And Willis had done Last Boy Scout off the back of that, which, despite getting slated, I still really enjoyed. And knowing that John McTiernan was um, back directing it, and you had Jonathan Hensley, who was meant to be um, Simon Says, and the first hour of this film is his original script. Um, Wow. And it looked really good. The trailers looked really good. And it just got me buzzing because the... I mean, you see Jules in Pulp Fiction, Samuel Jackson, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So, and, and it's, it's interesting. Say? Go on, what mate, go on. say is Samuel's, is this his best film? Or is it Pulp Fiction? Or is it something else? Um, it's certainly not Snakes on a Plane, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but um, I think I, I like him in Pulp Fiction. I think as yeah. Jules, he's just brilliant. I, I think he's really underused in this film and it's a it's a real shame i mean obviously this will contain complete plot spoilers as 
every podcast does and probably mild language as every podcast does as well but yeah sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> but it's i thought it was underused it was one of samuel jackson's yeah. best characters that he played a yeah. most lifelike character um to himself but i kind of felt it was ticking the box as in you had um who is it lyle the taxi driver in the yeah. first one and you had Owl as well and then in the second one you had Barnes uh who was the other black guy who was like played a part in it and it seems very tropey that they're kind of like a buddy cop that they're pairing him up with someone yes. but yes but this was kind of he's obviously in this film um he's back in New York so He's left Los Angeles. He's uh, back in the NYPD and he's broken up with um, Holly Gennaro as well, his wife. And he's still a cop, but he's been suspended. He's an alcoholic and he's bottom of the barrel where I think that the character John McClane is at his best when he's a bottom of the barrel piece of shit that no one expects anything, you know? Yeah, he just doesn't care, does he? He's just bottom of the bit like when they pick him up, don't they, later on? He's still pissed out of his face because he's been yeah. drinking that day. But no, apart from the fact all he does is talk about how bad his head is throughout this yeah. entire film. <laughs> yeah, I love he, that. Yeah. yeah. Supporting a massive hangover by the looks of it, which is absolutely <laughs> superb. And he's, uh, yeah, he's just he's a really great character. Mm. I, I just, I think he's fucking brilliant. I mean, these films... I mean, the as they go on, they are terrible. Don't get me wrong; they they really struggle. But um, I just think they're, they're they're just so much fun, and it's yeah, no, way definitely. over the top, stupid plot lines that just exceed any common sense when they don't need to be as difficult as they are. Yeah. But I mean, again, this one, the, the plot in this one is just ridiculous and relies on so many different factors. Just like the um, the second one, especially if it didn't snow, that would be completely fucked in yeah. Die Hard Two. Yeah, no, you, you're right. You're completely right. It's um, it's very convoluted. They like a convoluted plan. They don't do they, in the Die Hard films. The bad guys, they're like, right, we could do this, and we could do it pretty easy. But what we do is we really ramp it up and make it as difficult as possible with many as many things that could go wrong <laughs> put in place as possible. Yeah, it's but it'll be so fine. good. I think. <laughs> What was really good in this one, but you know what you're getting with Die Hard. You know the ingredients, and it's like wrong place, wrong time, and and just everything like that. And it's so cliche, but it's it's great. And I I I really loved outside when you get the bomb going off in Manhattan. Oh, yeah. You've got the summer in the city playing, the music's going, and it's people moving about, and it's a hot day, and it's it's a great song, really good song. Great song. And then you get that store just blowing up and outside the store i know it says atlantic couriers isn't there from the first one where hans <laughs> uh, gruber they all use atlantic uh, couriers lorries and you get that store blows up and all that there's no dialogue there's nothing whatsoever nice. and just bang and th- it's just for effect is brilliant the music stops and that's what you're left with it's just this it is so effective it's a brilliant start to a film, isn't it? Like you think, like you say, it's nice and chilled out, nice day, blah, 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 you know, start of a day. And then all of a sudden, bang. And it's like, right, you're into it now. Straight yeah. into the action. It's like, it's you know, and let's be fair, this film doesn't stop. The action is constant. 
isn't it? From start to finish. From this point, that's it. Yeah, hundred percent. Just... As soon as that bang goes, it's like a bloody starting gun and a, and a racetrack. Yes. And they, and and that's what makes this film just so good. And also, it's interesting. You have got Jeremy Irons, another Brit who plays Simon, um, who's really really good. He's it's, um, Hans Gruber, his brother. That's the connection. And it's obviously you've got the vengeance in the title. But I think what's different in this one is in the first Die Hard, Nakatomi Plaza is speaking to Al. He was his go-to man, but he was alone there. At the airport, mm. we had the two police officers, the two brothers who were simpletons. And <laughs> he was kind of alone. But this is the first time that he's got a really good team behind him. And yeah. they all are very efficient in what they're doing. You've got Charles, who works like the bomb disposal. You've got Connie. Um, and you've got uh, Joe Lambert. You've got Arthur Cobb, like the police captain. They're really, really good police officers. Mm. So, and, and it's the first time he's had, like, a team backing him up. And, yeah. it's, and, and I think the whole balance of him, uh, Samuel Jackson, that... They obviously he has to lead the way, Bruce Willis does, because it is a diehard film. But I think you've got a real good chemistry of everyone involved and everyone you haven't got the tropey idiot who's like the two police officers in the second one. Yes. They were tropes of themselves of the characters, weren't they? Yeah, it's a massive breath of fresh air in relation to that that didn't have a couple of idiots, you know, you're a fish in my pond and all this sort of nonsense to quote the other film you know yeah, so no, it, is, it is good it is good that he's got he's surrounded by an actual team and you know he's a disgraced officer but he's sort of brought back in to because he has to as we get we get to and um yeah it's it, it's brilliant it's the way it's worked yeah and i when i first watched this i, I must admit i was a bit worried about the um like the rhymes like obviously the bomb mm. goes off and it goes to the police station with everyone rushing around trying to get something sorted out and you've got Cobb who's like the uh like the captain and then Simon rings him up and he obviously wants to speak to uh John McLean and they try and find him and he's like washed out as we said earlier but when he starts giving him like the missions later on it's all yeah. in rhymes and I was worried they'd overuse the rhymes and it would just be a bit weird, but they don't, they use it to the right effect, don't they? Of the they Simon do. Says games. Yeah, no, they do. They do to be fair. I think you're spot on really. You do sort of think Bluminate this is a bit repetitive, if you like. But um no, I think it's done but again, it's really well. I seem to remember this being the one I least enjoyed. But watching this again, I was sort of actually it's a pretty well put together film, to be fair, and, and bits like that are quite clever. Yes, yeah, and I do like it in the back of the van when they <laughs> ask, the first mission to a certain extent or the oh. test is to go to Harlem, and they're looking at the back and he's just got his pants and vest on. And he looks like shit, and they're telling him how much he looks like shit, and it's <laughs> just great. He's just so hangover and wasted. It's just brilliant. It is so so good. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, fancy having being hungover, being suspended, being called into work, and then having to go to Harlem and put this sign on and walk around. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Flaming it. It's it's unbelievable, isn't oh. it? And 
and it's great because that's when you go to and when i first watched this i i thought samuel jackson's character was obviously called zeus i thought his name was jesus yes and it's it, really strange because even a bit later on bruce willis says jesus is <laughs> he gets it wrong as well but yeah, I, samuel jackson's character is is really really interesting because he's He's kind of he said he just watched and was heavily involved in like Malcolm X and yes. he played a, a massive part of, of this character when he was um, being Zeus and I, from there I mean the tempers even in America at that time were kind of frayed because they were just waiting for the O.J. Simpson um, the, the trial to finish for him to be sentenced and there was that kind of divide with black and white and white people weren't going to watch black um black uh, black uh, exploitation films and yeah. things like that um and it was a massive deal getting samuel jackson in this and the character he doesn't he plays he's not a racist character but he's kind of fully aware of the situation and like the politics going on at that time that um like the, the black neighborhoods should stand proud and they're being kind of repressed by the white people and stereotyped and he says that to his children of who we're going to rely on like ourselves and who we're going to be proud of and who can we have a business and we don't need help from and yeah. he puts it so well and it's really reminded me of the Lawrence Fishburne character in um oh what's that film where uh Boys in the Hood oh right. yeah very much kind of that representation of of that of because they're stereotypes that they even comes out when he sees and the line when he sees Bruce Willis walking around with that sandwich board, which cleverly enough. And I never realized that the um, that the end bomb is I hate end bomb on that board yeah. was superimposed. It was blank. I never realized that. Well, it's interesting because when he gets out of the van, when you're watching it, it, it is blank. It is completely blank when he gets out of the van and it isn't until he oh, starts okay. moving around. But you see the words and the awful N word that should never be used. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm guessing they didn't want to do that, did they? Even filming it, they probably didn't want to walk around any neighbourhood with that on, even if it is for a film, because it could obviously cause such distress. Yeah. So I like the fact that they did that and superimposed it rather than being cocky. And as a lot of, you know, film people are, I suspect. It's so clever, isn't it? It, it mm. looks really, really good. I never realised that that was superimposed at all. And, and it's great when the kids obviously got that stolen stereo and he's talking <laughs> about <laughs> like you're being used and life lessons, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, there's a white man standing in the street. He goes, well, not like, he goes I've seen one. He goes, you ain't like this. Uncle, you better come look at this. What? There's a white man standing in the street. I've seen one. Not like this. Down 911. Tell the police to get up here quick. Somebody's about to get killed. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's and it's, Bruce Willis just looks so helpful. And again, the reasons why he goes over there is really interesting as well. And it, yes. it explains to him that if a white man gets shot in Harlem, the place is going to be flooded with trigger happy police officers and he just doesn't need it. So the reason why he's gone over there is to protect the neighborhood. And Well, that's it, isn't it? Because he says, doesn't he? He goes, if I have, if there's one dead white cop shot in there then we'll have a thousand white cops with bitchy trigger fingers yes and it's just you know he's he's his character you know yes he isn't i wouldn't say he's racist 
I know Bruce no. accuses him of it later, saying, I think you are. And they have a quite a good conversation about it. But he is very quick, isn't he, to jump on the colour stuff. Uh, so yeah. Every single time, you know, when he speaks to Simon later, he's, he's instantly, have you got a problem? Before he even says anything, his first words are, have you got a problem with the, with Ebony? You know, so like, yes. why, why are you making it about colour? You know, it's... Yeah. it's it's interesting. It is clever the way they did it because it sort of does show that obviously the other side of the coin is that you know people are going to be sensitive to it, aren't they? If they hear of it all the time and yeah. are being persecuted, you obviously your instant thing is that that's why I'm here because you don't like who I am because of my colour. So it was yeah, it was yeah. And thankfully that Samuel Jackson, Zeus, had the, the common sense. And pure luck on Willis's side that he actually believed it was a cop, not just some kind of mental person. <laughs> and that he didn't allow this gang who walks up to him to actually kick shit and just murder him. Because the, the instructions from Simon are his colleagues remain 10 blocks away. So he's properly on his own. But yeah. it's really good the way he gets out of it. And he got the old classic gun tacked on back as well. And uh, Samuel Jackson just rescues him. And, it, and it's it's great because there's there is a kind of a certain chemistry there but the only kind of one of the downsides for me is the fact that it doesn't go anywhere that i think kind of more as the film goes on that he's under you samuel jackson and they never resolve this kind of it's not a race issue but the differences between them you know what i mean i think they become they just have a they both realise that neither of them actually give a shit about what colour they are. They are just, you know, they're just mates by the end of it, aren't they? And they're both after the same thing. And it's quite nice, I think. Obviously, I'm, I've obviously got a slightly different opinion, but I think their character arc grows massively over this film. And by the end of it, it's like they've known each other forever. It'll be like me and you going down the pub and having a pint sort of thing. That's how it felt like for me at the end of the film. Yeah, because there's a there's a few situations, especially by the fountain, where he's like, go on, because where Willis just cannot work out. And it's clear that Samuel Jackson is more intelligent out of the two. Oh, definitely. And one yeah. of the puzzles where he works it out, and Willis is getting really frustrated, <laughs> and, and he says, go on, say it. You nearly said it. You wanted to say it. And he's like, well, I didn't. And yeah. That's the kind of that's what I'm, I'm kind of relating to when he's like, well, he, they never kind of talk about those issues and get those kind of issues resolved you know what i mean because willis has never made any comments in any of his uh die hard one or two and they've always teamed him up like the buddy cop um with a blackmail argyle and as i say barnes and uh, sergeant al powell and stuff like that so yeah. i don't know whether this was politics at the time of what was happening um Essentially. and they were a mctiernan with, with dealing with it like i, I honestly don't know but, don't know. but it's just interesting though isn't it because at that fountain scene he does say he goes go on you're gonna say it weren't you he's like no i was gonna call you an arsehole and that's when yeah. he turns around to him doesn't he He says you know are you you're racist because you just keep going on about this and i've never said or implied anything about color whatsoever yeah. and he completely turns it back to samuel jackson and i think that's at the point that samuel sort of realizes hang on a minute I need to leave this alone now because it's clearly it's my issue in relation to John McClane rather than it being the other way around. And yeah. I think that's when you see the relationship really sort of twist to being mates 
and really wanting to help each other out rather than Samuel having to be there just because he has to be there. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked that because I'm picky. You know what I'm like. <laughs> I would have liked that resolved if I would have been aware Fair of it. Enough. But that is just me. But I mean, one of the main focuses on this as a bombs obviously yes I, I do like it when you get charles who's the bomb expert who comes in they say that there was a one uh, a bomb found by uh, a fountain and yeah. for a change it isn't like the tnt the semtex the dynamite it's these chemicals which i'd never seen before prior to this film and it's really good when he brings it in the office and uh he kind of on its own one of the chemicals is red and white on its own it's fine but when you mix them together and you obviously put pressure on them, then they're really dangerous. And the demo he gives, oh, <laughs> it scares uh, the shit out of Connie in the office. She gets a great reaction. I love it. This stuff is cutting edge. It's a binary liquid. A what? Like epoxy. Two liquids. Now, either one by itself, you got nothing. But mix them. Ricky. Charlie, you're going to be wearing that chair on the Christ almighty, Charlie! Like I said, very cool stuff. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking fantastic, isn't it? Imagine like, doing that good. in an office. Just... God, <laughs> bloody hell, could you? Jesus, you'd be thrown out with it an instant, wouldn't you? Jeez. Oh, it's so, so good. Yeah. And, and that kind of sets the stakes that these people and he says that he's a nut but he's a nut who knows loads about bombs and it's simple and it's explained really really well yes and that simon is really pissed that zeus interfered and he i like the fact he refers to him as a samaritan in this I, i think it's it's worded so so well and that John McClane, because he's been in this situation so many times, he simply doesn't give a shit. All these threats, <laughs> all these games. I don't know if it's his hungover or just old school terrorist. He just doesn't care, does he? No, he doesn't give a shit, does he? He's like, just come down here and we'll sort out like men and all this sort of stuff. It's, it's <laughs> brilliant. And he starts stammering, doesn't he? Because he's upset him and it's sort of dear. And even yeah. Samuel Jackson's reaction. But <laughs> he hasn't got a lot of tolerance for idiots either. Right, is the Ebony Samaritans there now? You got a problem with Ebony? No, no. My only problem is that I went to some trouble preparing that game for McLean. You interfered with a well-laid plan. Yeah, well, you can stick your well-laid plan up your well-laid ass. <laughs> Why don't you shove that up your ass? And it just hangs up, doesn't he? Like... Yeah. The chief is just like, please stop doing this for crying out loud. You know, he's already blown up one building and he's threatening to blow up others and you guys are just mugging him off on the phone. It's just, yeah, brilliant. brilliant. And that's what you get, isn't it, with with Samuel Jackson? With him, you get quality one lines and it it is absolutely brilliant. But so they set the first test out or the first the rhyme and riddle and i've got to admit any of these rhymes i'd be absolutely <laughs> shite at working you these out now john there's a significant amount of explosive in the trash receptacle next to you try to run and it goes up now and yeah, nobody's gonna run but i got a hundred people out here that's the point now do i have your attention 
As I was going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives. Every wife had seven sacks, every sack had seven cats. Every cat has seven kittens, kittens, cats, sacks, and wives. How many were going to St. Ives? I was sat there going, I wonder if any of the lads have been able to figure these out. Because if I went along, if this was me, we're all fucked. Because there's no way on earth I'd ever get any of them. No, I wouldn't. (laughs) I I really, really wouldn't. And I've got no patience either. (laughs) You, Stu, never. Yeah, you've guessed that from a few different podcasts, but yeah. <laughs> there's only one person going to St. Ives, and that's the guy that's going there originally. The rest of them, you know, they're not going. Yeah. And I love the fact John McClane goes, Well, where are they going then? And he's <laughs> yeah. like, I don't fucking know, it doesn't matter. That's what I'd be like. <laughs> what if they went there and, and no one knew? I, I would look into it too much. And then they think, the bomb's going to blow up, so yeah. they dive on the floor, and people think they're mime artists and start giving them money. It's so funny. <laughs> it is good, isn't it? Yeah, and he goes, oh, it didn't blow up, obviously, because he says, I didn't say Simon Says, which is <laughs> He's proper toys with them, doesn't he? I mean, you know, yeah. you would, though, wouldn't you panic? You know, if you're having to run around trying to disarm bombs, you know, answering silly riddles and stuff like that, you'd, it'd be awful. The amount of stress that would put you under... Oh, 100%. Yeah, and they learn that he's actually watching them, or, or either he is, yes. or there's other people watching yes. as well. And the next clue they give them is that they, he said he's left something provocative on a train. Um, and again, it's all timing. It's it's and it's really really clever. I know we, we've said before in different films that the plans are so extravagant and out of this world, but the reasons for that in this film is because he wants the police run ragged. Because of the master plan is to to break into the the gold reserve um, in like the Wall Street part, the financial part mm. of the city, uh, and steal yeah. all the gold. Uh, and hence, having police run left, right, and centre, believing there's bombs that are going to go off and destroy people, I, I think it's a really very very clever plan. And it's not over the top. And it, again, the fact that this was set and filmed in New York which mm. becomes like an extra in this film it's such a good place to set and actually star in this film it's brilliant it's so good i completely uh, do you know what that's a very good point the fact that the, the actual location becomes a massive part doesn't it because of yeah. all the locations they go to and the way that you know they talk about all sorts of different parts of it and how they get to places and it yeah i don't be, i don't know i mean i don't know america that well but i think New York is probably, from what I see, is the best place you could have put this. You wouldn't yes. have been able to put it anywhere else. No, definitely. And uh, again, it, it's great because you go Central Park, you go to the Wall Street side. Um, like, is it Staten Island? or It's just really, really good. Um, the fact that they're driving through in a taxi through Central Park <laughs> and they actually got permission to do this. It's absolutely brilliant. It's yeah. so, it's just really entertaining. Whereas we were stuck in an airport last time, or we were stuck in Nakatomi Plaza. They've got free run, uh, like Grand Theft Auto, of the city to go where yes. they want. Looks yeah. so good. I remember this on the PlayStation. There was a game of the three first original diehards. And the third one was basically you drive a taxi from one location to another in, oh, really? a, in a certain time. Yeah, that is basically what the third one was so very simple back in day 
Yeah, very. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's a really good idea. Again, is when they need to get there, they call that ambulance in. There's an officer down. Yeah. And uh, he uses that American football reference, which I don't know anything about American football, a quarterback or a running back or something. Yeah. And he follows the ambulance up the main um, high street just so they can gain time. And, it, and again, when you see the different views of New York, it looks fantastic. It's nice because sometimes they go to like Canada where it's cheaper and film there and pretend that it's New York. But yes. it, it's nice that they haven't done that in this. Yeah, no, it keeps it original, doesn't it? And the thing is, people that know these places would know that it's not there, if you see what I mean. So it's good that they've actually kept to it. And, you know, the people of New York have been kind enough to let them film there. And it's much more realistic in that sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's the good thing also with having Samuel Jackson is that, as you said earlier, rightly so, that the pace of this film is so so fast it's constant it's really intense and that you can get bruce willis like in the scene where they're looking for the bomb on the train you've got willis on the train looking for the bomb and you've got samuel jackson rushing on um on his own kind of mission as well and it's it works really really well because you've got two sides they're both doing stuff and they're both competent as well oh no yeah definitely it's yeah because he takes they take a risk don't they because they have to go Mm. to a certain location and uh, which is the train station, isn't it? But Willis says he's going to get on the train to see if the because obviously he said he's left a bomb on there, Simon. Yes. Yeah. So um, Zeus obviously goes to the payphone and gets a gun pointed at him by a almost oh, must be a rookie cop because he's shaking like a leaf. Yeah. And you know, it, but it's a very good scene on the train. I have to be honest, like the the build up to what happens. And the fact that right. obviously Zeus has got his own issue with the copper and he's like, I've got to answer this phone, mate. So either shoot me or just let me pick up the phone. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's great the way the guy says to him, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Bro. And he, again, he loses his, like, his patience and temper with the guy on the phone. And as you said earlier, mate, that. That's when you've got the really nervous copper there pointing the gun at him. And it's really intense because you can imagine at that time and even now as well, Mm. that you've got a a black person who's they don't know what he's done. He's got no weapon on him. You've got a really nervous rookie pointing a gun at him. He needs to answer that phone. Otherwise, there's hundreds or thousands of people's lives at risk. And and he does it anyway. Like so, fair play to Zeus for doing yes. that. And then yeah. to find out that Simon says you've broken the deal because you're both oh. meant to go to the train station, yeah. and you've got Willis who finds a bomb, and it actually is a physical bomb on that train. You just you don't know who to worry for, kind of, kind of more. That is, uh, is Samuel Jackson? Is Zeus going to get shot? Is Willis going to get blown up? Is everyone going to get blown up? Well, yeah, that's it. It's- very intense isn't it you're completely right it's really intense because you like you say you've got literally three different scenarios running at once and with he's already blown up a building and obviously probably injuring a lot of people potentially killing others and now he's put one on a train and it's just and it looks brilliant when that bomb goes off and when it throws the bomb out the back of the train 
Mm. And the train derails on the underground. Uh, it's such a good stunt as well. And it's a practical stunt rather than the special yes. effects. Yes. It looks incredible. And I think if this was special effects, especially knowing how bad it looked in Die Hard 2 when he jumped out of that plane. <laughs> yeah. and it, this practical effect looks absolutely fantastic. Oh, and does. again, the reasons why he does this is so it disarms or disables or disarms the alarm at their kind of like, what's it called? The, the Federal Reserve, the Gold Reserve in the city, isn't it? Which is really clever again. Well, yeah, it makes a massive hole, doesn't it, near the vault, and it uh, so they can get in and out easily. And um, yeah, it sort of skews up the system and everything else. But I, I found that the bits in this scene I found really funny was obviously when Bruce Willis is running through the train and he scares a woman that when he's like, "Move, move your legs!" and she screams really loud. Yeah. And then like she's wearing this skirt and's got blonde hair and stuff. She's sort of an older lady. But when the train derails, they've obviously reused her again on the platform. Oh, really? Running, yeah, running away from the train. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the? So, did she? She got us to got off that really quick. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love yeah. continuity things like that. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's so yeah. good. And again, the humour in this is very good, and you kind of get rewarded for for watching and investing your time in like the first and second film. And that's when mm. they speak about Simon, um, Jeremy Irons' character, uh, and linking him to Hans Gruber being the brother of. Yes. And it's great because you've got the tropes of the agent. And like oh, in the yes. first one, Agent Johnson, a special agent Johnson, no relation. <laughs> and no. in the back of the van, you've got the two agents talking to him and you've got the tropey guy sitting behind. And when he speaks to Simon... And Simon knows who's sitting there all too well. It shows how clever and switched on he is that he's done this before. Simon. Inspector. Now, who from the FBI is in the van, I wonder? Let's see. Almost certainly cross. Come on, Andrew. Say hello. Hello. And I know you never run alone, so say hello, Bill. Still trying to butch up by chewing on your glasses, huh? <laughs> This gentleman, as they say, is where the plot thickens. Isn't he? <laughs> he, <laughs> he does. does. <laughs> so you'd lose any any street cred, anything. No one would listen to anything you had to say. No matter how no. serious or life-saving, if you've just been put down like that, then you're just never going to be taken seriously again. You'd wear contacts, I think. That's the thing. As soon as you took your glasses off at any moment, they go, oh, you're going to chew your glasses, mate. You're getting, you're getting a bit rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good because i wonder why he was when i first watched this i remember like he was chewing his glasses and thinking well that's he looks like an idiot it's yes. it's all a bit too tropey but yeah. for them to, to kind of call it out themselves i thought was really 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 yeah, good definitely. and that that's when they say that, what is there there's they speak to simon and then he kind of comes up with his next riddle and they, yes. he says that there's a bomb in a school and that they can't use the radios. And it's 2,400 pound bomb um, oh, yeah. in a children's school and that they can't call any resources in. And they just need to try and work it out themselves. Anything they call on the radio, then the bomb's going to be detonated. And it, it's great because you think he's blown up one department store. Women, children, elderly, any people would have died in that. And the fact there was a bomb on that train 
I honestly remember watching this, believing that there would be a bomb in that school. And, and even though they'll evacuate the school, but the risk that something else up, I honestly thought that that's what's going to happen. So it plays out really well. It gets me so many times this film. It does, but it's because it's because part of his conditions are, isn't it, that you cannot evacuate any school at all. You can't basically you can't do anything. You can't use your police radio because that might set it off. You can't evacuate any schools because if we see anyone leaving yeah. the schools, we'll set the bomb off. You're just completely stuck. And to be fair, the the chief is quite clever, isn't he? Because he says, said we can't evacuate, doesn't say anything about we can't search for it. And, you know, to yeah. have that sort of nounce to say, well, you know, because you sit there and you think, well, how the bloody hell are they going to get around this hmm. sort of thing? You're and that's why I go back to saying, yeah, that he's got for once a competent team of police officers and detectives around him who really help push mm. this film along that, that you're not solely relying on Bruce Willis to to solve everything else yes. whilst he's on his own missions and I think the film benefits so much from that. Oh completely you, completely it's nice that like you said earlier that they all work together and they you know are cohesive aren't they and they all have their own jobs to go and do and they do it well. Definitely definitely and that's what when it works so well in this film you notice how poor it is if when i went back and i watched die hard 2 i don't quite know why i watched die hard 2 again um it was mm. worse following watching this film it was a lot, <laughs> yeah, it's weird because yeah i think this film flows so much and so you get all of the like the police officers they all get called and it's great because you've got the people on the switchboards dealing with the usual 911 calls and oh yeah, it's brilliant. I feel so sorry for that lady. It just gets swamped. And again, we I didn't mention earlier. You see all the dump trucks, uh, and it was mentioned in a conversation when they were in the back of the van and they're talking about their police numbers who they played the lottery on, which comes into the film in a second. That this is obviously the stolen dump trucks um, that was mentioned earlier, and it's great because. It's nothing. They, I mentioned it very briefly, and it isn't where it's so bad that one of those comments where they break the fourth wall and they may as well look at the camera for something to remember later on. You know, yeah. wink, wink. Trucks <laughs> stolen. Yeah. <laughs> Even though all of these people do look like like psychopath soldiers, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's quite funny. All the people who are construction and just driving trucks are really trim with shaved head. And they look like nutters. But it's the first time you see properly in person uh, Jeremy Irons. And I think he comes across really well as a baddie. And they were going to cast Sean Connery as um, Simon. Really? But when he read the script, he said he didn't want to be cast as such a villain. So Jeremy oh. Irons was given the role. I mean, do you think it would have worked better with Connery no. knowing who he is or not really? No, not at all. No. No, no, I, I think Jeremy so. Irons did a very, very good job. I think Sean Connery... I like Sean Connery as an actor, but I don't know. I, I, I can't see it myself. No, no. I, I think that, if, especially if Connery would have had to do an accent, we know how bad it was in <laughs> Highlander when he had voice coaching lessons trying to be Spanish or Egyptian and he was still Scottish. That <laughs> yeah. It would have been terrible. It, it the film, I think, would have suffered from it. It would have been such a weakness in this film. And Definitely. it's nice that Irons, he is ripped, don't get me wrong, but he's quite small of stature. 
Yes. Uh, it, it makes a refreshing change rather than having like an Arnold Schwarzenegger or a Stallone type character coming in with all muscles. It's it's all about brains and cunningness, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all about his intelligence, isn't it? How he's obviously his plan is outsmarting basically the entirety of the New York Police Department and the FBI and whatever age, other agencies those people work for rather than going around just smacking people up. Yeah, yeah. And it's a shame because they do shoot um, Willis's mate, the detective, the one who talks about his badge yeah, number. Yeah. Um, that was massive is, foreshadow, wasn't it? It was a huge foreshadow, yeah. And Otto gets his badge, who looks like a complete psychopath. But <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it was a real shame. But again, I like the build-up when they're in this reserve. Um, and they're so calm and collected that it's they just they've got their mission and you can tell they're military people everything is so precise of them getting the money and it's nice that it is pure greed that's all it is it's not like before where you had hans gruber who was going on about kind of saving the um release these um, hostages in afghanistan and islands and things like that and it was political this is, and you learn that it's pure greed by Jeremy Irons' character, isn't it? Even though he's made a deal but to steal the gold and then to dump it all in the ocean um, or, and blow it up, basically, that it is just all about greed and money for um, Simon. Yeah, well, I, I have to, I, I think, if I remember correctly, I might be wrong, but doesn't Hans Gruber basically give um, all those names to the FBI just to keep them busy? Yes, yeah doesn't he so it's not it is he is just like his brother he's it's all about the money he doesn't really give a shit about if they release the terrorists or not and the ira and everything it's literally just to keep get them running around and stuff like that but yeah because in this as well he turns around uh his henchman simon's henchman turns around and says you know we've got to fulfill this contract so it's interesting we never find out who they work for it's um it was Arabs, it was, ah. um, who initially kind of paid for him, who hired him to do this. Um, that, and he was working on behalf of them. Then he obviously double crosses them. But oh, sorry. one character I like is Katia, who doesn't say a single word in this, who is a complete psychopath. And when they're breaking into the Federal Reserve and you've got that music playing and she's walking along, she pulls out this really just awful violent knife it just looks sickening and walks up to that poor um, security guard and just cuts his throat that she's uh, it's just such a good a really powerful scene because he's terrified as it is and she just walks up doesn't break any emotion doesn't say a single word and cuts his throat it's a brutal scene but i have to say i am not fond of her at all in this i don't see the point of her at all Oh, really? No, she's not a particularly attractive woman, not that that should matter, but he, she's obviously a love interest for Simon and because she's always given him the eye and, you know, they're sort of, you know, have longing looks across the room. And yeah. she just goes and kills someone with a knife, which is cool, but just, I don't know, I just didn't get the point of her, to be honest, it, but I suppose that's differences of opinion. Yeah, I, I think she's... I think she's quite an interesting character. I'd like to know more about her. And when they have their the, the sex session, 
towards the end of the film where Jeremy Irons once their mission's been completed and he chucks her on a table and they start having sex that that <laughs> was a last minute scene that that they just thought sod it I'll it? put that into it yeah because they never planned on doing anything like that but because no, uh, yeah. John McTiernan thought like there's so much violence in this film it's going to be R-rated anyway why don't we just put a sex scene in here between these two celebrating that their mission's been completed and God. Jeremy Irons must have thought yeah game on I'll definitely do that <laughs> <laughs> not argue. I'd, I'd ask for a, oh, I would have asked for a stand in myself <laughs> <laughs> it's all about these things called standards whatever the Christ they are I have no idea <laughs> but when they get to the fountain I really like the chemistry between these two I got to admit I wouldn't have a clue they've got two jugs and they need to pour out a certain amount of water into these jugs put it on the scale or the bomb by the fountain, which has got families, which has got loads of members of the public by it, including a dog, that it will blow up. And I would not have a clue how to do this, would you? I still don't know how they do it. So they've got a five litre jug and a three litre jug, and they've yeah. got to put four litres of fluid onto the scale. Yeah. Now, you know, McLean turns around and he goes, oh, I'm stuck in the park playing stupid kids games. And obviously Zeus sort of goes, wait, come on, concentrate on what you're supposed to be doing instead of bitching about it. Yeah. But I'll, I'll be honest, I'll be like McLean and go, oh, what? How the hell do I do that? Because I wouldn't have a clue. I would never Scooby-Doo. I'm that stupid. I, I would. Oh, no, I've got to admit, I wouldn't. Even when I watch it, I think I'm going to get it. I'm going to understand it. Just like The Matrix. This is an architect moment. This really is an architect moment. Um, but I do like the fact that, again, it's Zeus who cracks it. Yeah. And the joy they get when he works out how to do it. I, I I do enjoy this scene. I think it works really, really well. And I, it's just funny because I still, no matter how many times I've seen this film, and it's way into double figures. Yes. I still don't understand how you could do this. I don't know, they even explain it, but even when they talk about it, I still don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Me and you will be terrible. Just hope no terrorists listen to this. <laughs> yeah, can we have Stu and Neil? We need them to run around. That's first thing. We don't run. And secondly, can they do these puzzles? Well, you might as well just give up now. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> so funny. And the comment about leaving the bomb there, but some kid might get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's great because that's again that's quoted by the terrorists when they uh yes. Samuel Jackson gives the bomb to them later on, and it's nice that the terrorist says, "Well, put it in the car because if a kid could pick it up, it's suddenly they get morals." But in these films, I you get in every single Die Hard film that he stops the kids on the bikes, and he says there there is no cops around, something's going on. He goes, "You could steal City Hall out of everything. Yes. You could steal City Hall." And that's when he realises, and you think, that this is the cheesy part of the film. Uh, yes, it is, yeah. It is massively, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's clever, though. It is clever. But, yeah, completely random. Yeah. How he I figures it I'd out. still never pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I still wouldn't get it. But they, they do cycle there, and they do go to City Hall. Um, and it, I do like the bit where... You've got Simon, who does show a bit of kind of compassion when Samuel Jackson walks up to him and he's going, I've got a Samaritan walking up to me. Do I kill him or not? And he says, no, let him live. And I was really surprised about that. And I was. It, it, I don't know why. 
maybe because he's not a soldier, maybe because he's innocent, but he didn't like him earlier. So I was really surprised. And it would have been nice for him to say, if Katia would have said, why did you let him live? To give an explanation. Well, that's the thing, because uh, his mate is getting really annoyed with him, isn't he? The fact that he keeps letting John McClane live. And it sort of progresses, doesn't it, mm. later on the film. But I think the only reason, well, yes, you could be potentially right that he's sort of an innocent, if you like. And he does have some sort of morals in relation to killing innocent people to a certain degree, which doesn't make sense because he blew up a train. But um, I think he enjoys toying with them so much that he's getting a massive kick out of it and he doesn't want to just kill him like that. If he was yeah. going to kill him, he wants to kill him in, in a really convoluted way. Yeah, it'll possibly be a power thing, yeah, that mm. he can kind of pull the strings and he's playing God to a certain extent and, yeah, yeah. That, that could be it. But when he goes to the Federal Reserve and the Willis scene in the lift, it's yeah. so good. It's like Captain America, a lift scene where he's in the middle, he knows something's wrong and he's waiting for it to kick off. And he deals with it so well and that he just kicks ass. And it's really violent. It's really bloody. And he sees the number on the badge that Otto is wearing. And he, that's when he knows. Obviously, it plays into it. As you said, it's massive foreshadow. Um, the 6901 badge number. that, And then he kills everyone in that lift. And it, it's not kind of done like Jean-Claude Van Damme. There's no art to it. It's just proper old school fighting and killing. That's it, isn't it? It's just, right, I'm going to headbutt this one and then try and hold this one off and shoot this one. And, you know, it's it's pure fighting, isn't it? Rather than martial arts or anything like that. It's just, I'm going to, I need to kill everyone. Or was they going to kill me? Yeah. But I do, I do wonder, like you said, actually, that's a very good point. I wonder if they got the idea from that Captain America scene from this. Because it's very similar, isn't it? It is. The tension of just the, the bullshit they're talking in the lift, yeah. just... And knowing something's going to happen, Willis knowing something's going to happen, yeah. is so good. It plays out so, so well, just like the cap scene in uh, Winter mm. Soldier. It, it's brilliant. And that's when he he finds his mate, obviously, murdered. And they realise that all of the, the gold has been taken. And, that, and it's nice because they wanted to show, and uh, they kind of expressed in this that, how 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 heavy gold actually is yes and i like the fact because i mean i used to work in a precious metal company uh making gold um ingots and like um uh, titanium and uh, palladium and silver Ooh. for like, agriculture and we used to kind of melt them down to make massive gauzes um for the agriculture business because it didn't corrode as much when they put chemicals for it and a gold ingot is really really heavy it's at nearly three stone i think it is jesus so it's great that they kind of showed this and yeah from leaving there they're in this really wank car it's really shit and it's nice that they did get a shit car because normally they'll take a a ferrari or some real gucci car just like in like bad boys or something but they're in like a yugo or some shit car aren't they (laughs) they are i love the fact that zeus takes a gold bar as well and mclean's up you're not going to be able to keep that he goes we'll see we'll see (laughs) (laughs) he's nicking a gold bar worth god knows how much money oh Oh, yeah He's buzzing, he's got that in the back of the car. Yeah. And they want to know who the 43rd president is. That's part of like the next clue, isn't it? 
Yeah, forty second president was it? Also. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Whatever so it was. It's some president, and it's yeah, it, it, it is great because again, it's something that possibly they should know. Mind you, I wouldn't know about the prime ministers. Cause I couldn't give a toss about them. But um, oh, who's the twenty-first president? And he shouts out to that Jeff guy when they nick his Mercedes. Who's the twenty-first president? Go yeah, and then he's like, I'll cheer up in a minute anyway, because when he finds, has a look on the back seat, and Zeus is like, that's my goal, boss. <laughs> it's so it's so good. Yeah. It is such an appropriate answer that guy gives. I oh, always do definitely. Exactly the same. It's yeah. so, so funny. Yeah, definitely. And so from here, they're evacuating the schools, which again, is really good. And I like the fact that you got Charlie, who is at the start of it a kind of a cocky, tropey kind of bomb expert, that kind of very happy-go-lucky, and it's nice that he gets a whole arc and he sacrifices himself. When you see later on um, yeah. in the film that when they do find this massive fucking bomb, it's absolutely enormous. And when it starts mixing the chemicals together and all the kids have been evacuated, just apart from two kids who are stuck in the school, um, that he says, no, I'll stay in the school. I will try and do this, even though you can tell he hasn't got a clue. It's too technical for him to actually disarm the bomb. But he stays there and it turns out to be, is it treacle in the end or food colouring? Something like that, isn't it? Yeah, no. Yeah, it's something like that. It's, It's... Yeah, food colouring or something like that, isn't it? Little syrup, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Because it's just syrup. Yeah. Yeah, and it's nice. He gets his moment, and I I think that works really, really well. And he becomes that hero. And you're Simon, who's calling up this on the radio to say that there's a bomb in the schools, and it calls absolute mayhem. And again, you've got all of these people in New York just rushing around, and the fact that it's on scene, it must have been carnage filming this. Oh, God, yeah. They must have closed all the streets and stuff, haven't they, for a long time to get all this done, because it would have been mental. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I love, and they have them in this film, um, again, I refer to Argyle, that these little characters who pop up, who yeah. are insignificant, and you know who I'm referring to, don't you? Is this the With, truck driver? Yeah, the truck yeah, driver. He's a legend, isn't he? absolutely brilliant they stop him believing that he could be one of the bad guys and uh he isn't and he's just he knows everything it's absolutely brilliant he's such a great character and and even the way willis talks to him is is great i I just think it's so 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 much fun and thankfully he's going to the aqueduct he's delivering materials of where exactly they want to go and he explains that it's a water pipe that goes on for about 60 miles. Um, and that's when he realises that um, Simon and all the other kind of goons are driving their truck through the uh, aqueduct. And it's a really, really good scene. I think it's so different. I'd not seen, prior to this, not seen anything like this in a film whatsoever. No, no, completely. It's Because he's obviously going to the viaduct, isn't he? Because um, he, he's sort of figured out that might be where they've gone but and Zeus has been sent to the baseball ground hasn't he because that's where they were supposed to go next yes which was really odd because they were just going to get shot yeah really strange but 
then he yet again decides that even though he's just one of them's turned up, he said, no, don't shoot him. Yeah. It's, I, it's you keep just leaving them aligned. Yeah, you just, you're really hitting your bedges now. Uh, edging your bets now, really, to turn around and say, oh, well, leave, uh, leave him alive. Leave him alive. You know, eventually you're going to come a cropper, aren't you? It's not, you, know, you can't keep just doing it. But... Mm. I don't yeah. know why he left him alive then. I've got really no don't. clue. I have no idea at all. And what, but... as you said, mate, what a letdown it would have been. They would have done all of these missions, mm. go to the ground or the stadium, and just <laughs> get shot. And get shot. That is it. It's just a boring yeah, no, way, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Nothing else. But what I do like is when they're driving through this, um, the aqueduct through the pipes. Yes. And you've got. The truck driver, I can't remember his name now, but it, it, I don't know he Jerry, mentioned it. I think. Jerry, that's it. Yeah. And he he obviously knows who the uh, the the president is. And the fact that he stops that truck, and it, again, it's the only Christmas reference we do get. Hey, fellas, Vicky O'Brien, Aqueduct Security. Hey, listen, we had a report of a guy coming through here with uh, eight reindeer. <laughs> And he calls up again. So Simon knows that he is being chased um, by uh, Bruce Willis. And it's great. It's really Indiana Jones when he knows he's in the aqueduct and he blows it up and he floods it. And it you have to kind of suspend all kind of disbelief isn't it of in these films when you watch all of them when you've got the water going down there there's no way that he would survive this when he floods that i don't know what, what river it's coming from but all of it's underwater and it's utter nonsense but it's so much fun it's, it's it is very much fun but you're right it's complete nonsense when he tries out running the water in this truck <laughs> and then climbs on top of the truck to grab a grate and he starts shivering because the water's really cold. The fact is that water <laughs> would have ripped his arms off. And yes. then he gets shot out of the top, doesn't he? Because the water all fills up. And he, <laughs> it's like a yeah. cannon. He goes shooting up in the air. But I think the issue I've got with this scene is Simon turns around and he goes, you know, there's $30 billion or something ridiculous in that truck. Can we make a yeah. deal? And he goes, yeah, I'll, go, I'll make a deal. I'll come and ram this lorry up your ass. And he goes, oh, how colourful. And his second in command goes, right, come on, lads, let's go and kill him. Because we've had enough of this now. Yeah. And then he goes, Simon goes, now we just blow up the dam. We'll just sink $30 million worth of gold. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a really shit idea to me. It's really strange, isn't it? <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah, it's weird. Especially when you had so many opportunities, especially to kill yeah. um, Samuel Jackson alone, and you've blown both opportunities, and then you decide to do that. But I mean, it, it gets just—I mean, the last—I'd say the last half an hour, possibly, yes. yeah, last half an hour—are so over the top. I oh, mean, yeah. they, they push even disbelief when they're on that bridge. Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis—you can see they know that. Simon is on a boat with all the containers oh. containing that gold and they pull that winch and they fall kind of hundreds of feet onto a, an iron deck of a boat and they both live. It's just 
so over the top. I mean, I'm enjoying myself, and thankfully, because yes. I'm enjoying myself, you just laugh along with it, don't you? If you didn't, and if it wasn't done properly, it would have killed this scene and this film. Oh, yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more because when they were saying, he was originally saying, I'm going to jump, and Bruce Willis is like, no, don't, it's way too far. So they decide they're going to use a winch off a truck that they've nicked off two henchmen they've killed to then crawl yeah. along it. And yeah, they even when they get discovered, and I like that bit to be fair, when the um the truck falls out off the bridge and it the wire cuts that guy in half. Oh, I thought God, that yeah. was quite cool. But the yeah. fact that they yeah, they still fell, yeah, like you say, a good hundred feet onto some metal containers and they're just like, <laughs> ow, cool that hurt a little bit, didn't it? Oh, let's not yeah. do that again. It's proper oh, Tom and Jerry yeah, way, violence, way beyond, isn't it? Yeah, it was massively, completely, <laughs> completely. But it's great when he says, right, let's move the body away. And you got that guy <laughs> yeah. and that picture of Samuel Jackson with the legs and Willis with the arms because he's been split in half. It looks <laughs> so funny. It really does. You grab the legs, then all of a sudden they're both going in the same direction. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah, he's definitely an arse. Oh, very good. And it's strange because Willis, they obviously, they split up, which is never a good idea in any film whatsoever. But And Willis gives in that machine gun and the safety's on. You learn that later on when he points it at Simon, when Simon's confidently eating that boiled egg and he says the safety's not on. Why didn't Bruce Willis or McLean turn that safety off or even mention the safety on a gun? It's really bizarre that he didn't yeah. do that. Yeah, it is, it is odd, isn't it? So you just put, yeah, you just point and click, <laughs> and it goes, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Don't, and and you need to it. turn the safety off. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would be a really good idea. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> you'd be really annoyed, wouldn't you? Later on, you'd be going, you would turn around, to, wouldn't you, and say, you could have fucking mentioned the safety catch, mate, couldn't you? Yeah. Come on. Especially if Simon then takes a gun off him and puts a bullet in his knee. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, after all that, and you're hobbling around with a bullet in your leg, and you turn around, you and then whilst willis is off looking you get a scene which is really reminiscent of the first die hard when he's fighting that brother at the top of the nakatomi building oh, yes. and they're just going hell for leather it's exactly the same isn't it as that yes. scene really it is completely completely the same there's no real difference at all to be honest it's... No, not at all. And you soon learn after that that that's when um, uh, Jeremy Irons shoots one of the guys who's working for um, like the consortium who's told him to blow up all of the uh, the gold. And he yes. makes off and they leave. Uh, and it kind of reminded me of like, the Joker when they've got that big pile of money, but they've got a big pile of um, bombs with... Uh, Bruce Willis, you got McLean and Zeus at the top of it. And it always amazes yes. me in these films, and there's been so many films like this, when someone's been handcuffed in a bed. You even get of this in Deadpool to a certain extent, when he's got you a do, match yeah. in his mouth and he flicks it out of <laughs> his mouth and he catches it in his hand. Oh, like and in this, to get out of the handcuffs, they do exactly the same. They kind of defy the impossible of gravity and luck to yeah, capture these things to unlock locks. It's so funny. 
he's got a bit of wire, hasn't he, from the cable stuck in his shoulder. So he picks it out with his teeth and conveniently drops it into Zeus's hand, who's <laughs> not facing him. And he can then, without looking, use this to unlock the fucking handcuffs while yeah. sitting on a massive bomb. It's, yeah, never yeah. in a million years. Never in a million years. No, it's so, so funny. It, it doesn't make any sense. There's so much luck involved in something like that. But they do get off here. And just before they leave, Simon throws. Again, it's a really strange thing to do for someone you're about to blow up. A packet of headache pills because McLean's still got a hangover and a headache. No wonder falling off a, a bridge onto a, a metal um, floor onto the <laughs> boat. But he throws in the headache pills. Yeah. which is a massive foreshadow later on. But yes, I do like the yes. scene when they jump off the boat, and I think they never would have survived it. When you see that size of the explosion being an actual bomb they're sitting on, not a fake one this time, Mate. they'd never live, never survive that in any day of the week. No, they would have been blown to bits just from that explosion, because it even shows like the shockwave, doesn't it, of, yeah. of it going off and stuff like that, you know. They were mid, well, they were blown off of the boat. They would be fucking dead. There's no way they would survive that. Actually. No, as you say, it's like the shockwave of when the Death Star got blown up. It's absolutely yeah. enormous. <laughs> Must have been the photon torpedoes that the, they were strapped to. <laughs> but one thing, really, it, it kind of, you've gone through the bridge, absolute nonsense, surviving it absolute nonsense and jumping off the boat which is complete bs but and at this time you think it's kind of over because you've got samuel jackson on a helicopter he's out of it he's back to being more or less a member of public and observer to everything that's going on and whilst and he talks to willis all the way through this of speaking to um to holly trying to get their relationship back (coughs) And whilst he's on the phone to her, yeah. waiting to speak to her, he looks at the bottom of the headache pills and realises, it, because it's French writing, that of all the places, he must have gone to Quebec in Canada. And yes, it's, it's such a leap of pure guesswork, <laughs> isn't it? I, I don't understand how he got to that place. And it's absolute nonsense. And then... Whilst they're on their boat going to um, Canada to celebrate everything, the NYPD literally then invade Canada to then get Simon and themselves rather than speak to the Canadian police. They And they even fly straight from that location in the same helicopter, don't they? Yeah, it's really odd, isn't it? Because sort of going back a little bit, they his second in command finds that the containers on the boat is full of scrap metal. Mm. rather than the gold so he sort of questions him and says he's been betrayed and that was a really weird scene where the the lady that you like shoots him knowing that this was the plan all along that they swapped out the gold haven't they and it's somewhere else completely and um they are both looking to each other's eyes as she shoots this guy dead which is just so bizarre but quite quite clever at the same time but yeah, it's it's weird that they've sort of said, yeah, we've succeeded, but they're on the border of Canada mm. with all these trucks <laughs> of gold. And then all of a sudden they like try and get out and instead of ramming through these shitty police cars with their massive trucks, 
they just stop. Like, okay, you got us. Yeah. And then this little helicopter that they've got there as well, just yeah. Instead of just oh, do you know what? I've I've let them live too many times. I'm off. I'm going to escape. And with whatever I can, he then goes, oh, this is personal, and starts going after McLean again. It's like oh dear God, how many chances do you want, mate? It's strange, and the fact that they would bring Samuel L. Jackson, a member of public, flying in that helicopter <laughs> yeah. all the way from New York to Canada to yeah. capture this baddie. It's a really weird thing. And did you watch the alternative ending of this? No, I've not seen the alternative ending, no. Yeah, the alternative what? ending of this um, is happens after the boat, after they um, kind of jump off the uh, the ferry or the uh, the cargo boat. It then yeah. goes to Simon, who's in Canada, or no, I think he's out of Canada or Romania. He's some kind of Eastern like European country, and he's sitting oh, in a bar just having a drink. And right, uh, you then get Bruce Willis walks in, and he gives a riddle to Simon, and it's something uh, a lot very similar to um, uh, what's missing um, that you need to bring to a party, and he's got the he pulls out this bazooka. And it's like a little miniature bazooka, which is really weird of oh, all God. things. And it's got all yeah. the stickers removed from it. And he puts it on a table in the bar and spins it. And he tells him to pull the trigger. And it's either a case of I'm going to get blown up or you are because there's no stickers as to the direction it will fire. So Simon picks it up, presses the trigger, and it obviously blows Simon up across the table. And then Willis says the missing thing should bring is a Kevlar jacket and he's wearing one. And then it ends. Oh, it's really, off. really that's weird. Awful. Yeah, that's the alternative oh. ending to this film. So oh, maybe dear. I'm glad I didn't go with that one. No, and that shows how bad it is. The fact that the better ending is the fact they got flown from New York all the way to Canada. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to go after him. <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah the best. Yeah. The best of two bad ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's on YouTube. If you go to alternative ending, Die Hard with Vengeance. Um, you can watch it on YouTube. It's really, really strange. But as you say that they're circled by the the NYPD um, in Canada, uh, who's got full authority to do exactly what they want, and uh, they could escape. And it's really weird. It, it's just such a a rushed ending after all the things yeah. that have happened, and they've all been really, yeah, planned so well, especially by Simon, to have this shit ending of him shooting into a shooting electric cable that wraps around the rotor blades of the helicopter and he gives he says the famous yippee ki motherfucker which you've got to say in a diode film but oh yes it's just the toilet ending and you the fact that and samuel jackson doesn't that's what he's so underused in this film i mean it would have had to be a different ending for him to be more involved but it's just yeah. weird that he's there as a spectator, isn't it? He wouldn't be there, would he, at all? There's just, it's, there's no way he would have been there at all. So you're completely right. And when they, because obviously, like you said earlier, Simon and his, his lady are doing it on the table, and then the helicopter light shines in, and John McClane goes, Have I come at a bad time? And <laughs> so yeah. he just starts fucking absolutely taking the piss. But it's, it is yeah. odd. It's so odd. And like you say, they then come out in the helicopter and chase around. And he's got this massive machine gun and John McClane's get his helicopter gets shot down and they survive that. And then he's got literally two bullets, hasn't he? 
lifting his gun and he's like oh show me a face show me a face and at any point he would have got shot by that massive machine gun but for some reason doesn't and then he's such a good shot that he can shoot that box all the way up a post in the dark yeah with a a searchlight on his face and then it's a rotor yeah like say the wire gets trapped around the rotor and they just blow up and it's just weird it's a very odd ending yeah it's quite lazy i found quite action-packed but a little bit lazy yeah and i think the the original um like the script the jonathan hensley script was going to be looked at as a possible lethal weapon script i think it was joel silver was going to look at it and then they decided not to and that's why they they really? kind of changed it it wasn't going to be like simon says but um and that's why i think the last half an hour or the last 45 minutes of the films goes so right, so I see so awry in a weird direction yeah. the dynamics change like, that it goes off script from Jonathan Henley's original one and, uh, but it's so such a strange ending and I think as I say this was the best ending out of the two is really really weird it ends with him ringing up Holly and thankfully she's never in it I don't think she needs to be in this film at all no. does it no, she doesn't. Well, she was, like we spoke about in the second one, she was hardly in that, to be fair. And, you know, the best thing she did was taser the um, reporter. Yeah, yeah, Richard Thornburg. And, but that's it. So I think if you put her in this one as well, it would have just, it would have been unnecess- unnecessary. So, yeah, I'm pleased that she wasn't in it, which I know is yeah. quite horrible to her, bless her. But... <laughs> well, no, I mean, as, as a plot dynamic, I mean, it's a, uh... You really, you don't need it at all, do you, to be honest? No, no, completely right, completely. But yeah, that was Die Hard with a Vengeance. I mean, I think out of the, out of the, it's difficult. I, I do enjoy this film. The first film is the best film. Yes. It was groundbreaking. It was brilliant. It's a go-to film all of the way. And this film is a, a close second but the last half an hour of this film, it goes in a strange direction. There's so many weird choices made um, that push this along. And I, I don't know why they went with this ending. Uh, the, the other ending, alternative one, was terrible as well. Um, but I think if it was Willis on his own, it wouldn't have been as good. I think it's a massive strength that they've got Samuel Jackson there. And he kind of plays the common sense um and like the, and he does look at it from a member of public of what you can and can't do against Willis's I can do whatever I like because I really have got no respect for any kind of rules whatsoever. Yeah. And and it is a good buddy cop that they play off each other really, really well. I mean, the I don't think there's any kind of best standout bits in this. I think it's the first two thirds of this film are just brilliant, nonstop action. The last third is pretty poor to be honest but i'd still out of five i'd probably give this a four out of five just because mm-hmm. it's just so much action happening there isn't much downtime and and it's enjoyable you, you know what you're getting with die hard you can look at it and say well it's utter nonsense but look at the first one he jumped off a building holding on to a fire hose and went through the window you know what i mean and it, it's just utter nonsense and it, how he lived through the first one and he's still walking i don't know so you know what you're getting well yeah. um but saying that 
it does get progressively worse from here. So, but we'll talk about that when we actually review those films. And I think the next one Indeed. is Live Free and Die Hard. I mean, what's what's your thoughts on this film? Are you as buzzed as I am about this? Uh, to be fair, because I, I love the fran, I do enjoy the Die Hard franchise, and I love one and two. I think, like you said, and I completely agree with you. Number one is the best. And I did really much enjoy too because it was almost pretty much a carbon copy, and they did it very well. And I always, I always remembered this one as being my least favourite out of the first three. But after watching it again to review it, I found myself really, really enjoying it. We obviously were going to do this before Christmas, and we ended up not. And you know, I've quite happily watched this quite a few times in a row in quick succession. And I've not at any point gone, oh, God, I've got to watch that film again. It's it's easy to watch. I really enjoy it. And I, but I have to agree with everything you said, really. The first two thirds of the film, brilliant, really well thought out. Excellent action, loads of suspense. You are on the edge of your seat thinking, oh, my God, is he actually going to blow up a school? How are they going to get out of this? And then the, like the final third is just absolutely ridiculous at points. Um but there again, so is Die Hard too, um, mm. to a certain degree as well. So I'd still say, due to the last third of this film, it's probably still my least favourite. Really? I, I, yeah, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the two, first two thirds, like you did, but the final third and the laziness of the killing off the bad guy and some of the decisions that were made towards the end, I just sort of... I was sort of taken away from it a little bit. So I'd still rate it highly. I'd, I'd give it about a three and a half out of five. Um, I wouldn't go any lower than that, but I couldn't give it as much as four, Yeah. Uh, which I did for the first two, because I don't think it's on a par due to the final third, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I mean, with my, with my four, I'm going on... I mean, if you look at this as a film, just a film that... It's mm. a, a weak film and it's way over the top and it's pretty poor. But I'm mine's purely yeah. going on the like the diehard universe that that they're <laughs> in, and I yeah. th- that's where I'm coming from because otherwise it, it, it would it's just so over the top and it's just a lot of it is pretty poor. But yeah, I it, it's really weird that you kind of rate the second one over this one and that you weren't looking forward to watching this one i'm honestly really surprised about that yeah i just i just remember it i think there's certain elements within the film i don't enjoy the silly sort of marching music when they're going around the town or in new york rather that just sort of takes me away from it and there was just things about it that i found a little bit frustrating and it's you know like i said you know how many times do you give people a chance you could kill these people numerous times but you're so you just stupid decisions, and it, and like I say, the third, final third just took me away from it. It was still very good, and I'd recommend mm. it to anyone to watch. If you like the diehards and you like action films, these are three of the best sort of action films you're going to do for people that haven't got any superpowers or all that sort of stuff. But yeah, for me, the first two are better, but that's just that's just me. No, it's great. I mean, that's why it's so good. Everyone's opinion differs. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I've not watched um, Live Free and Die Hard. I mean, this film was 
12, 12 years after Die Hard 3. And by then, that's when um, Bruce Willis's, I mean, his credit was absolutely down the toilet. I mean, he'd done a, a lot of shit films. I mean, off the back of um, doing Die Hard, uh, Die Hard 3, I mean, he did some some not yeah they were, they were all right not bad films i mean uh the fifth element i mean armageddon mercury rising the jackal i mean mm-hmm. the sixth sense i mean he, he was kind of still very very popular he could still pull in like a big crowd yeah. but when you think um he was starting to go on uh tears of the sun that like the whole 10 yards oceans 12 hostage and uh, it's just his films it was just weren't any good i mean the only thing good thing he really did i mean 2007 um planet terror he's good in that but and the expendables again that's kind of like a retirement home for cliched old heroes that's the thing isn't it he he sort of started doing which a lot of actors as they get older they start doing sort of bit parts don't they and that's kind of what he started doing he just started being parts within films rather than actually leading a film himself or if he did i couldn't tell you what any of them were because they obviously weren't good enough to raise my interest but yeah this one's die hard 4.0 isn't it outside of north america yeah um, and i actually own this on dvd so there you go ah, yes. that will be uh that do you know that it's really interesting that you own that <clears throat> especially after not really a kind of at the time being too impressed with a uh, Die Hard 3 that you went and got Die Hard uh, 4.0 but that's the thing though isn't it I think if you're interested in the franchise and I do like the Die Hard franchise as much as the end of 3 disappointed me I I wanted to watch another one hoping hoping that it wasn't going to be another one of these Hollywood tropes of bringing it back years after and ruining it but that's we'll have to see if they did do that or not on no, our next I, review. Yeah, I saw this at the cinema. I mean, I remember ah. seeing it at the cinema, um, and I yeah, I just thought there were some really interesting characters in there. Mm. Maggie Q, I think it's absolutely fantastic, and uh, Timothy Oliphant, I think he's brilliant. He's a great actor, isn't he? Yeah, so so good. And Justin Long, yeah, Jeepers Creepers, he was still yep. feeding off that as well. So. I mean, there were some really good characters in there. So it, it kind of did draw a massive crowd. I mean, I think this one made lots of money. I think it made 300 odd million, I think, or 200 odd million. It was absolutely huge. So it nice. did really, really well. Die Hard 3 did. But yeah. um, Die Hard 4, I mean, it'll be hopefully we can get everyone back to talk about it that. Was. I mean, that was, I mean, for instance, it was a 110 million budget that made 388 million worldwide. Cool. Nice. That's a shock, especially after 12 years later. So obviously there was a need for Die Hard uh, at that time, some good old fashioned police violence. So um, definitely that was what definitely. was needed. But so we'll talk about that. We'll be back next week with that. If not with that, because no one else can make it, then uh, myself and Neil will pick some random film, no doubt. But we will definitely be back next week with another film. So is there anything you want to say at all before we go, my friend? No, just uh, thanks to everyone that's listening. Subscribes. Please leave a comment and a like on Facebook. Uh, not Facebook, sorry. Well, you can do, but I meant YouTube uh, to help the YouTube channel because Stu puts a lot of effort into that. So it would be very nice if you could do that. Definitely. That's very nice of you. Yeah. We'll be back next week. Thanks very much. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and you take care. Cheers, guys. Bye.